All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So as we speak, the provincial coroner releasing a report right now on last summer's deadly heat dome. What, uh, and there's already a release, uh, the report's already out, and we got some findings here. What are you hearing on this? Yes, yeah, so, so Lisa LaPointe, the coroner, is holding a news conference literally about 50 yards from where we sit in the legislature press theater. Um, some, much of this we already knew, more than 800 people, more than 800 deaths attributed to the heat dome. Largely, the vast majority of people were older uh, with compromised health systems, uh, health conditions, and living alone indoors. 98% of the deaths occurred indoors. 67% of the deaths were people aged 70 and older. 56% of the deaths occurred with people living alone. Um, what's interesting, uh, aside from that, is the, the role of the ambulances and paramedics. There were significant wait times for, uh, in 17 cases, uh, her report refers to extended wait times before paramedics arrived. In six cases, six deaths, the ambulance call was, well, I'm not sure there were six deaths, but there were six instances where ambulance calls were made and no ambulance showed up. Wow. So that showed just, again, the height of the ambulance problem in the heat wave uh, is really shown in these statistics in the report released by Lisa LaPointe as okay. we speak. Okay, and the heat dome was, we're just coming up to the one-year anniversary of this yeah, event. Yeah, and yesterday the government announced it's going to have an alert system uh, yeah. in place. Uh, it's interesting, though, you look at these deaths, um, hundreds of people, elderly with compromised uh, health systems living alone, I'm not sure all of them would have a cell phone. Yeah. So I'm not sure what, how far this alert system goes. I think the, where it's going to re- be really interesting is, is the government's also going to provide a guide to how to make yourself safe. In, in extreme heat conditions. That was sort of making it up as we went along yeah. last year. If you recall, um, people just um, intuitively opened their windows thinking yeah. that was going to provide relief. That was actually the wrong thing to do in that heat dome because it just allowed – people thought at night, oh, it's going to be cooler air. It wasn't cooler air. It was just letting hot air come into your residence. So we learned that through the heat dome. And it's going to be uh, stuff like that that is going to be in a guide from the government of how to make yourself and your residents safe. This cell phone alert system, I think, is a good move. Mm-hmm. And the way it will work is when they pass a threshold to an extreme heat emergency, it would be like the tsunami warnings. Yeah, you or the, alert. Yeah, you get an alert on your cell phone, which I, th- I think is good. Um, but like you point out, for a lot of these seniors who, who perished in this heat wave last year, a lot of them are living alone. Like a lot of people say, well, what about the, the you know, the, the uh, care homes, the long-term care homes. We need to be careful about those. A lot of seniors in long-term care homes did not die from no. the heat. It was seniors who were living in apartments, mobile homes in some cases, modular homes. And again, living alone, cut off from, from the general community, not realizing the peril they were in. They had compromised health conditions that made them even more vulnerable to extreme yeah. heat. And as a result, uh, that's why, you know, the majority of people who died were in that category. Yeah. And last year, people will recall the tragic cases that you touched on there of ambulances that were called and didn't show up and mm-hmm. people desperately going to fire stations looking for help as they were overcome by the heat. I mean, this was a tra- absolutely tragic event. Yeah. And the government under pressure to expand that paramedic system, right? More ambulances, more paramedics. And as you next yes, they say more paramedics have been hired. Yeah. Uh, more paramedics are moving to full-time rather than part-time. Uh, you're going to see also, I think you're going to see more a cooling center set up yeah. uh, on a 24-7 basis this summer. Uh, yeah. Again, a lot of lessons to be learned from last summer's extraordinary heat dome. Yeah. And again, okay. no expectation we're necessarily going to have a heat dome again this summer. Uh, right. Weather forecasters are pointing out it's a much cooler spring right now. Yeah. 
But who knows what July and August bring? And, and you know, keep in mind that last year's heat dome occurred at the end of June. Right. Yeah. And we're we're approaching the end of June. Anybody who walks outside, I mean, today was the first good weather day I've seen yeah. all year long. And it's by no means uh, hot. It's just nice and warm. Okay, that's a developing story. Make sure you keep it locked here for the rest of the day on that. Um, started the show today talking about some of these school decisions, notably in Vancouver and also in Mission, to defer school projects. So in Vancouver, they have deferred three seismic upgrades mm-hmm. of three schools, two high schools, one elementary school that are in danger of falling down in an earthquake. They've deferred those projects in the city of Mission, where residents there have been pleading for a new high school. They've got like a 70-year-old high school there that's full. It's over capacity. 109% capacity. And that's been deferred. Six years. At the same time, they're building this museum. Are you kidding me? Let me play Tracy Loeffler here for you, Keith. Get your thoughts. She's the chair of the Mission School District on earlier the sh- on the show earlier today. The community uh, is, is uh, quite disturbed and upset to hear that this has been deferred. This has been an ongoing issue in our community for years. We have been advocating for this for years. Students need a a better learning environment. And she also said the NDP came there during the last election and promised them a high school. Direct promise. Um, I think Bob Deeth and Lisa Bear, the two MLAs out in that area, uh, had a huge election win last time, and I think largely because, you know, it's promises like that. And this is where the NDP is in such trouble, is every time they defer a capital project involving schools or healthcare, people are automatically going to contrast that to the Royal BC Museum replacement project. And John Horgan can argue all he wants. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison. It doesn't matter to the general public out there. The people in Mission who have been expecting this new high school, now to be told you're going to have to wait years before this yeah. thing is built, while construction will construction will begin, I think, on the museum sooner than it will on the Mission High School. And oh. that's just political suicide for, for the government, which is why I think the museum situation is going to have to be revisited. The fact that First Nations are now speaking up, about this and, and opposing it and saying, we'll take it on, you know, we'll, we'll give us back our artifacts and we'll display them. I think that provides some cover for the NDP to get out of this giant political hole they've dug for this. Okay. Horgan, though, was asked about this yesterday. Yeah. He said he didn't know about these school deferrals, these project deferrals. And he was also, of course, asked about the museum and what his priorities are. Here's what he had to say, then I'll get your thoughts. Horgan, yesterday. With respect to the museum, as I've said, uh, over the eight-year uh, life of that project, it uh, constitutes 1% annually of our uh, capital budget. That is uh, a modest amount to protect, protect and preserve 7 million artifacts and archival documents that tell our collective history. Not going to work for him? No, it's not going to work for him. So even though it's 1%, that's 1%. That's more than what's being spent on Mission High School replacements or the seismic upgrading in Vancouver. And that's just not going to wash with the voters. And I'm not surprised he doesn't, he didn't know about the capital freeze on this because he's not a micromanager. Yeah. I mean, John Horgan doesn't have his finger in every, every pine like Gordon Campbell, who probably would have known about a school freeze like this. That's not Horgan style. Yeah, I mean, he said he didn't know about it. I don't know. We'll see if there's any backtracking on that because it certainly is a stark contrast here. I mean, this this is the this is the deadly political contrast, especially when you're talking schools. 
Like you're telling yeah. me you're not going to fix a, a, an elementary school that's in danger of falling detect, down in an earthquake. I detect no enthusiasm amongst the rest of the NDP caucus for this museum project. Other yeah. than John Horgan and Melanie Mark, I don't see any of them really defending this thing. In fact, they're running away from it. Let's talk about Boris Johnson. We talked oh, yes. yesterday about the non-confidence vote that he faced among his own MPs I in the House of Commons. I he's going to come in the 50% range, and he got 59%. So, Fif- so, he, got, so he survived. Right, with well, 59% support. He, he survived technically, but 59% support. Then if, if you take away his cabinet ministers and his parliamentary secretaries, that number shrinks below 50%. So uh, he's got a real challenge on his hands. I don't see how he runs in the next election. Let's listen to what he had to say yesterday, Boris Johnson, after surviving that confidence vote. And what this gives us is the opportunity uh, to put behind us all the stuff that I know the, uh, the media have quite you know, properly wanted to focus on for a very long time, uh, and to do our job, which is to focus on the stuff that I think the public actually want us to be talking about. Your thoughts? Well, he may, he may wish to put this behind him, but I think his uh, detractors, of which there are many in his party, are going to continue the war. This isn't going away, and it's going to be aided and abetted by his political opposition. So I, I really, I just don't see how he survives this. I, other Tory leaders have quit with uh, with higher uh, percentage. I think Theresa May came in with a higher percentage of her leadership vote, but still packed it in. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. The phone lines are open. We're talking about the decision to defer some of those school projects in Vancouver. There's three seismic upgrades of schools that have been delayed in Vancouver and Mission. They've delayed construction of a new high school there. At the same time, that museum is going forward. Phone me on that if you like. What should be the higher priority, do you think? 604 604- 280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Tony and Burnaby. Hi, Tony. Go ahead. How's it going? Good. Good. You know, this is just another fortification of my thinking that the NDP don't know how to run a hot dog stand. Like, why would they build a museum that's going to take eight years, apparently, and no. not in the schools, and when nobody wants a museum, you know? You know, I would like to see what the people in Delta and Richmond and all that area think of how they're going to be waiting 10 years for a tunnel when they could have had a, a bridge by now. Yeah, thank you, you for know? the call. Thanks for the call. Yeah, well, I mean, the museum is going to be symbolic of so many things for people who are, you know, want to vent their frustration against the government for not uh, funding their particular hobby horse or their particular community uh, priority. Uh, the museum is going to, is becoming, quickly becoming this, um, symbol of misplaced government spending. And everybody's, everybody's going to have a favorite school or hospital or bridge or road in their backyard yeah. that needs to be built before this museum. Yeah. It's just sticking out there like a sore yeah. thumb for a lot of people. And you just can't help. You know, it's the first thing I think that goes through a lot of people's minds as soon as they heard about something else. Yeah, and it's gotten away from the Democrats. There's no way to positively frame this thing now. They could have maybe beforehand if they had a round of public consultation, some some public feedback, and slowly brought the public along to the need to have a new museum, but just to drop it on everyone at the same time you're deferring – uh, making schools safe from earthquakes is just so politically wrongheaded, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was the announcement was really a big part of the on problem. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th announcement out of the blue. You know, no usually, consultation. We usually call Fridays take out the trash day around government. And that was certainly a take out the trash day. Yeah. yeah. Keep calling me on this. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Joseph and Langley. Hi, Joseph. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a good idea for them to build a museum, but a billion dollars, well, I guess that's what it costs today with 
inflation and everything with the labor costs and everything it's going to cost that but it's a great legacy of uh, you know bc and all the artifacts uh, there's like seven million artifacts there mm-hmm. with, which i would pay to see them uh memories of uh, british columbia was nice to see and i think it's a good idea but um like i say they spent about what 12 million dollars renovating the old building and decided that it's going to cost them too much to they need a bigger space, so I think it's a great idea for them to do it. But I, I think they should uh, refocus uh, and try and get it down a little cheaper cost if they can. But like I could say with the labor and everything, inflation, everything's just gotten too high. Eh? Well, so you start think, you start wondering if it's going to go over budget. I mean, the oh, first phase of the thing budget. is already nothing over comes budget. in on budget. It's no. interesting how um, we talked about the Alberta Museum. Uh, yeah. In contrast, is far less expensive and being built far quicker. So. Again, they really they gave us a technical briefing and they released this so-called business plan, but it doesn't really explain why it's going to cost so much and why it's going to take so long. They really haven't explained that at all. And and why they also argue that it's cheaper to build a new one mm-hmm. than to fix the existing one. Yeah, they have not really? supplied the matter. It's, it's just basically a news release saying this is the way it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's actually no support. No evidence to support uh, these statements from these yeah. from the people in charge of this. Star ninety eight ninety eight is the number to call on your cell phone. Mary on Vancouver Island. Hi, Mary. Um, it's great to have an early warning system for the heat dome and so on. But if you recall, what happened last June was that uh, everybody's eyes were on uh, patting ourselves on the back about getting through COVID to that point and opening things up for the summer. And so they they, they have to just be smarter about stuff like this. Uh, you know, missed it because of that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the alert system only takes you so far. Um, it, you know, it's one thing for your cell phone to go off and say, warning, big, big heat dome. But what do you do about it? You have to yeah. be educated to, to know what to do. And again, I go back to the lesson we learned. Halfway through that heat dome, it became obvious to us, to many of these people covering, for example, don't open your windows at night. If people were doing that and, and inadvertently letting 40-degree air come in further into your home residence. So little things like that, uh, the need to cool off, to constantly be cooling, uh, cooling yourself down, the need for 24-7 cooling centers to be open yeah. rather than just 9 to 5. What was extraordinary last heat dome is the nighttime was the danger time because that's when people thought they were safe and the temperature did not go down at night and people left themselves vulnerable. So people have to be educated rather than just having an app on your cell phone. Well, that's right. I mean, it's heartbreaking to think of these seniors who are living alone in an apartment and just Mm -hmm. baking in there and they were in trouble and and couldn't didn't have anyone to help them. Many of them probably didn't even know it, but they had compromised underlying health conditions. They were elderly and they perished. It's tragic. Rob and Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. You got 30 seconds, okay? Good morning. Good morning, Keith. See, I just want to say, remind the British Columbians what Adrian Dick said there after this heat dome. This is a problem we inherited. I'm talking about the ambulance uh, situation, ambulance uh, paramedics. Why doesn't John Horgan take that billion dollars he wants to build for that ridiculous museum in Victoria and hire some freaking uh, ambulance attendants and let's not ha- let this happen again? But the all of Dick's to say that was ridiculous. Thanks for the call. Yeah, so uh, Dick says that they have hired more paramedics, but the caller makes an excellent point that we made over and over again. Here we go again at the museum. Always take, instead of spending a billion dollars in the museum, spend it on X, Y, or Z. And we're going to hear that on any number of issues. Keith, thanks a lot. Talk to you tomorrow.